leftovers. Or the DMV. Or house cleaning. Or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, Cleveland. Welcome to the Dogland Podcast. I am your host, Anthony Jokey. You know, last week we had our first ever playoff preview podcast and this week uh, we get to have our first playoff victory podcast and it wouldn't be a, a dogland playoff victory podcast without my co-host Jack McCurry. Jack how we doing man? Is this still a dream or, or is this reality man? Uh, it's reality like I had to double check when I woke up on Monday that I wasn't dreaming but this is this is reality. We have a playoff victory podcast. It, it is crazy, man. It, it was there was no better feeling waking up Monday morning and going into work, and everybody was like, "How are you doing?" And I was like, "I'm freaking great." Like I was in a great mood. Of course, the Buckeyes ruined it Monday night, but that's a whole other story. But uh, it didn't ruin it too bad because the fact that we've you and I both, Anthony, because I don't know how much you remember from 95 because we were both really little. But to finally experience a Browns playoff victory, it, it, it's unbelievable. Like, I am still on cloud nine. Like, nothing can ruin my mood. Like, I've been in the best mood since Sunday night. And I don't know what could ruin it, but I don't think anything really could. Um, the Buckeyes didn't ruin it for me because I said going into this last weekend that, uh, you know, back in, in 2000. Uh, um, uh, 2003, when uh, Ohio State and Pittsburgh played on the same weekend, Ohio State playing for a national championship. Uh, you know the Browns playing Pittsburgh in the playoffs. You know the Buckeyes won that championship and the Browns lost. Going through this weekend, you know I was very comfortable with. All right, if the Browns win, I would be totally okay if Ohio State lost. Like I, I was, I I would have taken the reversal of the result. And that's what happened, and I'm cool with it. Like, I've had a smile on my face for the last 48 hours, and there ain't nothing that's going to take it off my face. Now, that could change come next Sunday, but um, I, I, I just I, – I can't believe what we watched on Sunday night. Like, you know, I've taken – and many of us have taken crap over the last uh, 18 years for that, um, that playoff game against Pittsburgh. Like, I, growing up, going to school um, – I had a lot of Steelers friends and, you know, you have to wonder, you know, how we had some, I had so many Pittsburgh friends living, you know, 45 minutes east of Cleveland. Uh, but, um, you know, I had a lot of Steelers fans, uh, fans who were friends growing up and I still do. And, you know, they remind me every now and then about that 2003 game. Well, th this is like the, the greatest gift I've ever gotten because um, now with not only the Browns beating the Steelers in a playoff uh, game, but dominating them with the circumstances the Browns um, were facing this this past weekend. It, this is nothing short of uh, nothing short of incredible, and I, I'm just thoroughly happy that we got to sit there and enjoy that 60 minutes of football on Sunday night. 
Oh no! Oh no! Doubt right from the onset, it was just like, is this really happening? Like the the very first play set the tone, and it was like I my jaw dropped, and I was just like, that this can't be real. I mean, and let's go ahead and dive into it, Anthony. Like the opening snap of the game, you know, the Steelers take the ball, and Pouncey snaps the ball over Roethlisberger's head, and then they he looks at Connor, and they just start running after it, and it goes all the way into the back of the end zone, and then our guys jump on it, and it's already seven nothing, like ten seconds in. Like, what were your thoughts? Like, how, how, like, what were you thinking when all that transpired? See, like t- typical, you know, when I saw that ball hit the ground, I'm like, oh, okay, you know, this is going out the back of the end zone, right? And we'll get a safety, and then the Browns will, you know, be up to nothing, and then we'll get the ball and, and whatnot. But, you know, the fact that they were able to fall on that and get to, get on that ball, and the fact that Roethlisberger looked like he wanted no part of recovering that football, uh, you know, that was <laughs> – now, I, I, you can't ask for a better opening, right? You know, when you're a, a team who's facing a lot of challenges and a lot of, you know, circumstances, you know, with COVID and not having your head coach, and it's been well documented, uh, the amount of things the Browns were facing going into that game on Sunday night, to get a turnover on a first play of the game and to have it result in a touchdown, best start you could ever hope for. And it, it, it seriously... Uh, gave the Browns momentum right from the get-go. And to be honest, the Browns had it until, you know, halfway through, let me say halfway through the third quarter or so when Pittsburgh scored those couple of touchdowns. But, uh, you know, to be able to build that momentum uh, off that first play, I, I was talking, when we were talking to Tony Serino last week uh, on the podcast, I said, I have a feeling that, you know, this could snowball one way or the other. And, you know, for the Browns, it, it, that that first play is snowballed in, in, into their favor, kind of like that uh, first game against Pittsburgh early on in the season uh, when the Browns got blown out. But, uh, you know, you can't ask for a better start. And it, it just continued to build and build and build. And, you know, eventually the the Browns took a, a 20 nothing lead. You, you I, I mean, you couldn't have scripted that first quarter any better like it's just not physically possible to to even uh come up with a better scenario for the browns to be able to jump up to a a 28 nothing lead scoring the the most points in the first quarter in postseason history like you you can't script what happened and and, you know for, for once it was on our side this time you know what it reminded me of do you remember the super bowl between the broncos and the seahawks a couple years ago uh yes yes i do remember the remember when the ball went over peyton manning's had the opening snap and then the seahawks just took it took him to the woodshed after that that's what that game reminded me of at least the first quarter and into the second quarter like cleveland all the momentum shifted to cleveland's side and they just took it and they ran it down pittsburgh's throat they they were throwing on them at will um you know going to like the next touchdown obviously I think I forget who intercepted the the ball, but the Landry touchdown, Andre Knott went to Jake Burns and said, is that the same play that Minka picked six Baker on from earlier in the season? And I Jake broke it down, I think Monday morning. It was the exact same play. So I think Van, either Van Pelt or somebody up in the booth seen something and Baker, they seen the coverage and Baker was able to, pull it off correctly that time and Landry was able to cash in on a touchdown. So it was the complete revenge game. 
like right from the onset on Cleveland sticking it to Pittsburgh and saying like, Hey, y'all had your backups in last week, but this week everybody's in and there's no excuses. Like just watching how Cleveland dominated Pittsburgh. It, it literally felt like the changing of the guard in the AFC North Sunday night. And if that's the case, then Hey, the Browns are about to dominate this division. Of course, Baltimore is going to be there and, I don't want to count out Pittsburgh completely to yet, but it just felt like the changing of the guard for sure. Uh, it was uh, MJ Stewart that picked off uh, Ben Roethlisberger that, that first time there. Um, I couldn't remember if it was Stewart or Redwine. Uh, Redwine was was later later on. I mean, yeah, Roethlisberger threw four interceptions. And it's hard to keep track of who picked off who, uh, who picked off when. Uh, you know. Uh, I, I mean, I guess we'll go there, right? The the, the turnover battle uh, was obviously in the Browns' favor. You know, the the fumble, the four interceptions, uh, the Steelers turned over five times uh, on Sunday night. And look, I, 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 it was another point I had with Tony uh, the other day uh, on a podcast on the playoff preview that if the Browns want to win this game, they have to cash in on whatever turnovers uh, – the, the Steelers give them. Obviously, they cash in on the fumble. They cash in after the interception. Uh, they cash in after uh, the second interception uh, by Roethlisberger. And then later on, um, let's see here. Uh, they they uh, had a field goal after the last interception. So, you know, to be able to score uh, touchdowns on most of those and then having the field goal, you know, they, they – we're able to, to get those turnovers, turn them into touchdowns. And look, that that's how uh, a team that is the underdog that is undermanned, understaffed wins, wins football games is you have to convert those kinds of opportunities. And look, Jack, it seems like every time this year, the, the Browns have been able to create turnovers. They've been able to cash in for points. And I honestly think that's the, the biggest difference in this team from this year to years past is to be able to, um, you know, capitalize on other teams' mistakes for once. Yeah, I mean, the defense hasn't been the greatest this year. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But the one thing that's helped them is the turnovers. And if we were going to beat a team like the Pittsburgh Steelers, it was going to be dependent on creating turnovers or forcing turnovers. And the fact that we forced, what was it, four or five turnovers Sunday night, that really put the ball in motion to to allow the offense to cash in. And like you said, um, that's been the staple all season. We've been able to force or create turnovers and then our, the offense will finish the job. And they did that Sunday night. I mean, two interceptions in a row by Stewart and Redwine. I think there was touchdowns on both of them. Uh, Taki, like you said, Taki Taki intercepted late and we were able to, uh, kick a field goal and that's kind of, and that sealed the victory. I mean, that's, what's been so great about this team is all three phases have done their job and big games and it's helped, you know, help, help us win big games, obviously. Um, you know, the, and it's complimentary football. If the defense does their job, the offense will do their job and vice versa. I mean, that's been the one great thing about this team all year is if we've needed a, a key defensive stop or a turnover, they've done it. If the offense has needed to put six on the board, they've done just that. And that that's a great thing. Like Gerard Cherry always preached it for years and continues to preach it on the radio, complimentary football. And that's something that, you know, 
over the years we've watched either they've had a good offense but a really bad defense or they've had a really good defense but a really bad offense and now we're starting to see complementary football and that's kudos to the coaching staff they help put these guys in the right positions to succeed and the players go out there and execute the job and it's things are really starting to form something here in Cleveland and that and that's great on all accounts speaking of execution you know, not having your head coach, not having the guy who calls plays and Kevin Stefanski, uh, you know, it's almost like they didn't miss a beat. What what do you speak of the way Alex Van Pelt handled uh, this game plan? Because, you know, they, they discussed that everything that was out there was all, you know, had Kevin Stefanski's hands on it, but they have to still go out and execute it without their head coach. How do you think, A, you know, the players handled this execution and then B, how uh, Van Pelt was able to uh, execute the game plan that uh, Stefanski put forth. Uh, I thought the players did quite well. I mean, based on reports, I think it was a DD Kinkle from NFL Network. She said that Alex Van Pelt led the offensive meetings the entire year. And, you know, that's good. We talked about it a year ago when Stefanski got hired that he was going to be able to lead to adapt and, you know, put together a great staff. Um, he did that with the hiring of Van Pelt. And he's while Stefanski calls the plays, Van Pelt essentially leads the offense weekly in the meetings. And that's good. I mean, you know, Stefanski, I'm sure, sits back and watches and watches how Van Pelt leads. And clearly he's done a good job. And we also know that Van Pelt helps in the game planning as well with Stefanski. Um, so that, you know, I think the players feel comfortable with Van Pelt and, Obviously, when the news came down last week that Stefanski had COVID, I think it was, you know, business as usual. You know, Stefanski's leading the entire team meetings during the week, but it was still, you know, business as usual. Van Pelt led the offensive meetings. Joe Woods led the defensive meetings. The only difference was Stefanski wasn't there on Sunday night. I mean, they had to switch things up. Prefer was obviously the head coach, uh, but Stef- Van Pelt was calling plays on offense. Woods was leading the defense. Prefer's job essentially was, you know, for challenges, whether to go for it and to call timeouts and all that. So it, it's a credit to Stefanski because, you know, he was the leader. He puts everybody in their roles and everybody follows suit now. Uh, and then obviously with the COVID change, Prefer led the charge on game day, but it was still business as usual. So as far as Van Pelt goes, he called a good game. I had no complaints with anything that he did offensively. Uh, He kept it balanced with the running game as well as the passing game. Uh, And I think everything was executed perfectly. I don't think there was outside of, you know, drop passes and whatnot. The offense was phenomenal Sunday night. And when they got the ball, they took it down the Steelers throat, whether it was through the air or on the ground. So not much to complain about on the offensive side. I think, um, my favorite drive was uh, the one in the set in uh, early in the fourth quarter uh, when they get the ball back. You know, they, they're the Pittsburgh had gotten two touchdowns in the second half. The Browns punted three times, and you know the, the Browns forced a punt after a, a three and out by Pittsburgh. They get the ball back uh, on their twenty yard line, and they open out with a pass, you know, they, they were trying, it seemed like they were trying to, to drain the clock, right? You know, they, they got conservative a little bit, uh, a little too early, but they came out in that drive 
um, throwing the football. Uh, you know, they had to pass the people's drones. Uh, they had an incomplete pass, but from there they had uh, two straight completions, a, a, a one run, and then they had the big uh, screenplay that went for a, a touchdown to Nick Chubb. That was the, the my favorite drive. I mean, it, to be able to come out after the offense stalling a little bit and then to start throwing the football, to, to move the chains, to, to run the clock, which, you know, they were trying to do, like I said, a little bit too early, but to be able to do that and pretty much that iced the game uh, for the Browns, you know, to go up uh, 42-23 with 12 minutes left, you know, it was getting a little hairy there for a while, but for them to uh, respond the way they did on that drive, um, I thought that was just uh, an, an excellent way to, to cap off the night. Absolutely. And, you know, I think people were kind of kind of astonished that it was Chubb that was in there for the screen pass. Everybody kind of expects on passing downs that it would be Kareem Hunt. But I think people underestimate at times how good of a pass catcher Nick Chubb can be out of the backfield. He proved it well Sunday night. I think he had four catches in addition to his 60 plus yards on the ground, running the ball. I mean, uh, when they, when those two are clicking hunt and Chubb, I mean, outside of Derrick Henry, who I know had a bad playoff game on Sunday for Tennessee, uh, there's not a scarier running attack than, than the Cleveland Browns. And I'm not being biased when I say that. And I think a lot of national people would say that as well, because Chubb and hunt can, can hit you both on the ground and in the passing attack. And I think that's scary because, you know, while people say like the Browns may not have a number one receiver right now because OBJ's on the sidelines. I mean, you have, you have Landry, you have Higgins, you have Peoples Jones, you have Kaderil Hodge when he's out there, you got the tight ends. You also got those two running backs. And so that was a great play call by Van Pelt and everybody was able to execute and, you know, Chubb got out into open space and there was no one around him. And I was just, that was the one, the craziest thing to me is that he was able to catch that ball and then just turn and cut down the sideline. And there was nobody there for those 40 yards. And I was just like, what is Pittsburgh doing on defense? Not complaining, obviously, because the Browns scored, but that was the most astonishing thing that there was no one within 10 yards around Nick Chubb. Yeah, they showed that on the podcast, and you could thank uh, J.C. Treader uh, for his block that really sprung Chubb on that play uh, that allowed him to get that those 40 yards for that touchdown. You know, despite, um, you know, the offensive line missing Joel Batonio, uh, I thought they played just a tremendous game. Michael Dunn looked very good, uh, you know, even after he got hurt. Hans came in um, and, and played well. And they they brought up on the broadcast, Jack, you know, how many times did you hear Cameron Hayward's name on Sunday night? I did not hear it once except when they brought it up, uh, brought that point up. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that was my worst fear going into Sunday night was how is Michael Dunn going to be able to go up against Cam Hayward, who's been an all pro uh, since he came in the league out of Ohio State. But, you know, and Michael Dunn was awesome in the XFL. Him and I think the other guy, Storm, I don't remember the guy's name, but those were the top two tackles in the XFL. When the Browns got him, I was like, well, this is intriguing. I said, we'll see what he can be. And I think they cut him and he's been on the practice squad and he finally got called up because of all the injuries and stuff. But 
Dunn was phenomenal up until his injury. It's a shame that he went on IR because, uh, I mean, the dude played lights out. But for Blake Hans to come in and to come in when we needed him, and then Kendall Lamb coming in for Jack Conklin who got hurt in the first play, like Kendall Lamb got blown up. But then after that, I mean, the offensive line was great Sunday night. Baker got pressured four times. It was the first time in 74 games or 73 games that the Pittsburgh Steelers did not record a sack. And that was an NFL record for consecutive games with a sack. So, I mean, the offensive line was great. They have been all season. I mean, when you have, uh, but Conklin, an all pro, and then Batonio and Teller, second team all pros. And then Wills was a great rookie. And JC Treaders, I mean, he never gets any consideration for Pro Bowl or All Pro, but he should because he's played through injuries. He's so tough. I mean, this line, I think that was the biggest takeaway, Anthony, was not only did our offensive line dominate, but our defensive line was dominant too. And that's with, you know, not having Olivier Vernon out there, Miles Garrett still recovering from COVID. I mean, Ogan Joby, Richardson, Vincent Taylor, Porter Gustin, Adrian Claiborne. I mean, all those guys stepped up. I mean, it was an absolute team victory, like I said earlier. But the fact that we dominated the Pittsburgh Steelers in the trenches on both sides of the ball, I mean, that might be the biggest takeaway from Sunday night. And that's where, you know, you mentioned earlier the changing of the guard, right? Because for years and years, it's been the other way around. And now the Browns have enough talent and and uh, coaching on both sides of the ball to really win in the trenches. And you haven't been able to say that uh, against the Pittsburgh Steelers for a very, very long time. And when, when you talk about the things shifting in the AFC North long term, that's one of the big things that you look at is is who wins the battle in the trenches. And um, obviously the, the it was pretty clear that the Browns won that battle on Sunday. And there's really no reason uh, for that to, for that to change moving forward. Um, you know, the Steelers have a lot of free agents on both sides of the ball. And that team is going to look very different next year. So it is, and especially on their offensive and defensive lines. So, um, you know, th- this coaching staff has done a tremendous th- a job for the Browns in, in preparing both lines and the, the amount of talent that's out there is, is absolutely incredible. Um, let's talk more about the defense because, you know, there was a, a lot of frustration uh uh, you know, online during the game about the the defense, and some of it's warranted, some of it's not. You know, when uh, Roethlisberger throws the ball 68 times uh, this year, he's been um, the fastest in getting the ball out uh, from from snap to throw, and that alleviates a lot of the pressure that he faces. And you know. You saw, you know, some complaining of, you know, you know, where's Miles? Uh, you know, why can't this team get a sack and whatnot? You know, they didn't have a sack on Sunday night, but uh, when the opposing team is able to snap and throw the ball quickly, uh, and you're not able to get pressure, that's going to happen. And look, that's part of their game plan. You know, they had to find a way to neutralize Miles, to neutralize the defensive line. Uh, they weren't able to do it in the running game. But in the passing game, they were able to neutralize our defensive line quite a bit uh, with the quick pass. And you 
definitely going to see a lot more of that this uh, this week uh, against the Kansas City Chiefs. But uh, you know, this defense gave up uh, quite a bit of yards on on, on Sunday. But uh, it's definitely that bend don't break mentality, and they were able to uh, not break because of all the turnovers that they had. Yeah, I mean, what Pittsburgh did, they did a lot of the dink and dunk because I think Joe Woods set up our, you know, the secondary coverage to where, you know, you weren't going to see the big explosive deep plays. I mean, their longest, the longest pass been through Sunday night was 33 yards. I mean, yeah, Smith-Schuster had a 33-yard catch. Washington had a 27-yard catch. Claypool had a 29-yard catch. But, you know, they forced them to do a lot of dink and dunk. That's why Ben threw 68 times. Um, I would expect Cleveland, that's going to be the same kind of uh, scheme they go into this week against Kansas City because they have explosive playmakers. But yeah, I mean, you know, Ben did throw for 500 yards. He, he, I mean, obviously you should when you throw it 68 times. But, you know, like you said, Pittsburgh did it to where, you know, they were doing quick passes. And if there was like a tenth of a second longer, you know, Adrian Claiborne would have had a sack. Miles Garrett would have had a couple sacks. Like, I think that's the game. That's the one thing you got to worry about with the Browns defense is uh, our pass rushers can get after you. And the one thing, you know, Ben doesn't have the mobility he'd had 10 years ago. He can't escape and rush for 10 yards now. So it's up to him. He's adapted his game to where he does get the ball out quicker. And that's good on him. Obviously, you know, as he's gotten older, he's realized like, I'm not the mobile quarterback I was when I came out of Miami of Ohio and was able to kill the Browns with, uh, for the first half of my career. But the fact that he was able to get the ball out quickly and make those short plays, it wore down the defense. And obviously they were able to make somewhat of a comeback on Sunday. It wasn't enough for them, but um, I mean, that's the one thing that I would expect this week going into the chiefs matchup is the Browns defense is going to have to set up to where they're going to have to have Mahomes throw this many times because if you let these explosive plays happen, you were talking about a snowball effect. If we give up the big explosive plays to this Chiefs offense that we didn't give up to the Pittsburgh offense, it could get ugly very quickly on Sunday. Yeah, all the Browns have to do is look at the Alabama and Ohio State game last night. You know, the way Devonta Smith uh, tore apart the Buckeyes, Tyreek Hill can do that to the Browns. And they're going to have to pay a lot of attention to him. Uh, on Sunday and, and, and Sammy Watkins and Michael and, Hardman and you right. gotta watch out for Travis Kelsey too. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, you have to pay attention to everybody, but Hill's the guy, uh, that just breaks, breaks many defenses. And, um, uh, you know, it, it's certainly going to be the, the, the key matchup is to see what they can do with Watkins or, or to see what they can do with Tyreek Hill uh, on Sunday. That's going to be the big one. Um, but uh, you're right. They're, they have so many playmakers on, on offense that um, it, it's going to be quite the task to try and contain those guys uh, for 60 minutes, if it's even possible. Um, you know, they, there's a, there's a reason they had uh, the best record in the AFC Um uh, just because of those guys on offense, uh, you know, I think their their defense isn't as strong, and the Browns can put up points. Uh, but like we said, we can't let it snowball uh, on, on on both you know on both sides um, uh, on Sunday. But uh, Jack, is there anything else we want to talk about with the Pittsburgh game before we get on out of here? I think we we can't 
go without talking about the smack talking that Pittsburgh did and continues to do. <laughs> you know, I look, I I mentioned earlier, right? I have quite a few um, friends who are Steelers fans, and they're tired of the talking too. Uh, they're like, you got your butt kicked, shut up and let it be. But, you know, the, the way that, um, you know, Juju's comments last week, you know, the, the, the Browns is the Browns and there were a bunch of nameless gray faces and whatnot. And then, you know, after the game, you had uh, Chase Claypool saying that the, the Browns are going to get clapped next week against Kansas City. Like you would think, you know, like trash talking during the week is all right, but still trash talking after you got your butt handed to you on national television. Um, you would think at some point you would learn to to be quiet. And to me, Jack, th- this is very unstealer. Like, uh, you know, I those guys over there for a long time, you know, don't really say a whole lot. Uh, but it just seems like over the last year or two that they started to talk a lot more. And I don't know if that's a product of – know Mike Tomlin and, and what's going on there and whatnot if it's just the personalities that they have now but you would think that after getting your butt handed to you on Sunday Night Football in the playoffs you would shut up but they want to continue to talk and let them talk they're the ones sitting at home this weekend the Browns are the ones playing correct me if I'm wrong because you know I don't remember too much but I don't recall Heinz Ward, Troy Polamalu, James Harrison, like none of these guys, they did their talking on the, they did their talking on the field. Exactly. This is, I think this is a product of the generation we live in. You have a lot of immature, uh, young adults, especially pro athletes that think they can just talk and, you know, not face any consequences. I mean, we see it in all sports, really. I mean, NBA, you know, James Harden and Kyrie Irving are the examples there. And unfortunately, in the NFL, it's Juju Smith-Schuster and Chase Claypool. Like, you guys got served your humble pie after all the smack talk, and now you can't take it because, like you said, you got embarrassed on national television. And and now this week, it, it's Sammy Watkins doing it for the Kansas City Chiefs. Like, and the, the thing they don't realize is that's bulletin board material. Like, Jarvis Landry was on with Pat McAfee earlier today, and he said, he goes, we seen it. We didn't really talk about it, but we seen it and we knew like it was out there and that's just more motivation for us. And you've seen what our, our players did to, to, did the Juju like Terrence Mitchell. Every time he was covering Juju, he was roughing him up. I would expect the same, the thing to happen to Sammy Watkins on Sunday. The only thing is Sammy Watkins is pretty fragile. He might twist an ankle if the first time he gets roughed up by one of our corners. So I mean, that's it's just the it's the generation we live in. Like people think they can talk and not face any consequences. And I mean, Juju and Chase, you you guys got your your butts kicked. Just shut up and go away and work harder. It, it's not the same old Browns anymore. The the the, the Browns is the Browns. And Damn right. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, of all the things that get revived in twenty 2020... twenty. 
2021, I didn't think it'd be bulletin board material, but between Dabo Sweeney and uh, the stuff he said against Ohio State, and then, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster and uh, Chase Claypool, like, I didn't think that we get the bulletin board material back, but here we are. Uh, You know, I love every second of it because, uh, look, when you go into Pittsburgh uh, on Sunday night football in the playoffs, completely dominate the team, Look, I like I said earlier, it's I've earned a whole new level of uh, trash talking uh, for the next like nine months. I think a lot of us Browns fans have uh, because the amount of crap that we've taken over the years, especially from Steelers fans, we can dish it back for a while now. And it's certainly going to be enjoyable. No doubt. Like the rivalry is officially back. And I mean, it's great. Like, you know, hearing about the rivalry from like how it was back in the day. And let's just be fair. It hasn't been a rivalry since 99, but between what happened last year and now this year, like there's no doubt the Brown Steelers rivalry is back. And that's just, that just makes football even more enjoyable because like we got to experience Ohio state, Michigan at its peak during like the mid two thousands, uh, Cause it's not a rivalry anymore, but we got to see it at, at that. If we could get the Brown Steelers rivalry back to what it was in the seventies and eighties, it's just going to make NFL football even that much more enjoyable. Oh yeah. You know, the, the NFL would love to have the Steelers and Browns have uh, the rivalry and bring it back to what it used to be. Because did you see uh, the rating that the Browns popped locally uh, for the game on Sunday night? It, it, was like a, it was it was it was like a 51. It was bigger than when the Cavs beat the Warriors yep. in game seven. Yeah. And for, for, for a playoff and, and for nationally, it was the most watched primetime show since last year's Super Bowl. A Cleveland Browns game was the most watched any anything, not even sports, any primetime show since the Super Bowl it had 25 million viewers like that's crazy. And that just goes to prove that once again, the Browns are America's team. Not the Dallas Cowgirls. No, they are the world's team. <laughs> um, you are correct, sir. They are the world's team. Uh, but, the, yeah, you know, the, to be able to pop that kind of rating. And, you know, I think it's pretty clear that the entire nation, except for Western Pennsylvania, was rooting for the Browns. Uh, I would tend to guess on, on Sunday Night Football. Um, fine. We'll take all the bandwagoners we can get. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's nice to... Uh, to have that result on Sunday night. And, you know, like I said, I, a smile has not left my face in the last 48 hours. And I don't think it's going to all week. Uh, maybe even all off season. I, I, I don't think it's, it's going to leave, uh, leave me here. But uh, Jack, I, I think we'll be back in, in a couple days here to, to preview um, the division round of the NFL playoffs. Uh, you know, the game between the Cleveland Browns and the Kansas city chiefs. I never thought we'd get there, uh, especially this season. But, uh, you know, look, I said last week on, on the podcast, you know, after the Browns made the playoffs, uh, now that we've made the playoff, we have one goal, and that's to win the Super Bowl. You told me I was jumping the gun a little bit on that. But, look, we win uh, on Sunday against Pittsburgh. Now we're only one away, one win away from playing in the AFC Championship game. And how great would it be uh, for the Browns, uh, to be in the AFC Championship game, 
against the Baltimore Ravens and have a chance to beat Baltimore to go to the Super Bowl. I think that would be the matchup that uh, everybody wants to see. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it would be nothing more enjoyable than playing Baltimore and then beating them to go to the Super Bowl. But we've been, I've been talking with our buddy Kevin Mazzari, and I kind of want to see Browns Bills more. Like me and my other buddy Matt, like for the last 10 years, we've been in our Madden uh, online di- franchises, we've been playing Browns Bills in the AFC Championship. And I said one day it's going to happen in real in reality. So I'm more leaning towards Browns Bills. Plus, Kevin will be on the podcast if that happens. Uh, but I mean, Browns Ravens is definitely a solid co- consolation prize. And it would be even sweeter to knock out the Steelers and Ravens in the same playoff run to go to the Super Bowl. Like it's almost borderline my dream scenario to beat Pittsburgh, to beat Baltimore in the playoffs and to beat the Patriots. But the the closest to that is we could beat the Steelers. Well, we beat the Steelers. We could beat the Baltimore Ravens and we could beat Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. I think that would be a pretty darn good uh, uh, way to for the Browns to win their first Super Bowl. Would exercise all the demons. They pretty much. I mean, they exercise a lot on Sunday night. So, um, the, the next one's to, to win a Super Bowl. And I didn't think those words would be uttered uh, this season. But, you know, you go into every year with the, the opportunity being one of 32 teams. Now the Browns are one of eight left in the NFL playoffs. And they have uh, uh, a good shot at at, uh, at uh, this whole thing here. And, you know, obviously Kansas City is no slouch. And this game on Sunday is going to be uh, much even tougher than the one they played on Sunday night. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. I know you are. Uh, I know we're looking forward to talking about it more on podcast. And like I said, we'll be back in a couple of days to uh, break that game down for all of you. And until then, uh, be sure to follow Jack on Twitter at Jay McCurry. Uh, it's, oh, I forgot your username. It's Jack- at Jack McCurry 08. <laughs> I, I almost threw out your old one. Um, that's fine if that's the only mistake on this podcast for today. Uh, you can follow me at Anthony Jokey, Jokey I. Be sure to follow uh, the podcast on Twitter and on Facebook at The Dogland. With all that, going to get on out of here. And most importantly, go Browns. Leftovers. Or the DMV. Number 97. Or house cleaning. Or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.